Welcome to this week's episode of the One Play Sports Podcast. My name is David Hevener and I'm the host of the show. Today we have a really exciting interview, but before we get into that, I want to give a quick update on what happened in the sports world this past week. First off, let's go down to the Orlando bubble for the NBA. The Eastern Conference Finals have finally been set. The Miami Heat are going to take on the Boston Celtics. The Miami Heat ended up taking care of the top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks in five games, and the Boston Celtics ended up taking down the defending champion Toronto Raptors in a grueling seven-game series. The rematch of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals will tip off on Tuesday night. And the Western Conference Finals is technically still to be determined when this was recorded, but it looks like it's going to be the Battle of LA and the Western Conference Finals, as many people predicted before the season even started. The Lakers are currently up 3-1 to one in a series against the Houston Rockets with a potential closeout game 5 on Saturday night. And the Clippers are up 3-2 to two in their series against the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets were essentially dead in the water in game 5 and out of nowhere came... Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap and the Denver Nuggets. They were down 16 with nine minutes to go in the third quarter, and they basically willed their way to win game five and force a game six. The Clippers will look to close out the series in game six on Sunday night. Now let's head up to Edmonton, Alberta, which is the NHL bubble where the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final will be held. In the Eastern Conference finals, Tampa has a 2-1 to series lead over the New York Islanders. The Lightning blew the doors off the Islanders in Game 1 with an 8-2 victory. The Lightning ended up winning Game 2 as well because Nikita Kucherov ended up scoring a goal with 8 seconds left in regulation to put the Lightning ahead 2-1, to which would end up to be the final score of the game. The Islanders ended up bouncing back in Game 3 and took that game with the final score of 5-3. to three. The Islanders are looking to bounce back again in Game 4 on Sunday afternoon. In the Western Conference Finals, the Dallas Stars are leading the Vegas Golden Knights 2-1 to one in that series. The first two games in that series were shutouts. The Stars ended up winning Game 1, 1-0, one and the Vegas Golden Knights took care of business in Game 2, winning it 3-0. Game 3 was 1-3-2 by the Stars in OT. Game 4 is scheduled for Saturday night at 8 o'clock. But by the time this podcast comes out, it could be a tied 2-2 two to two series or the Stars could have a 3-1 to one lead. So it could be a very different series depending on whenever you're listening to this episode of the podcast. NFL football is finally back as well. The NFL season kicked off on Thursday night in a matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. The defending Super Bowl champions took care of business, defeating the Texans 34-20. to It was a really good game. One of the things that I don't really agree with so far that's going across the NFL is the different restrictions between different organizations regarding fans at games because some organizations are allowing limited capacity for fans and some aren't even allowing fans at all still because I know the Patriots aren't having any fans at their game against Miami on Sunday at one o'clock but the Chiefs were able to have fans in attendance for their home opener on Thursday night against the Texans. I do know that different states are further along and have different rules about opening up during this global pandemic in regards to the virus but it should be something that's league-wide all across either they're not allowed to have fans or they are and I know that rules like this vary from state to state but all the other professional sports leagues like the NBA, the NHL, and the bubbles, they don't have any fans, obviously. And then the MLB doesn't have any fans in the stands either. So it should be something that within the NFL where they either every team can have fans in the stands or there's none at all. Because with some teams having a home field advantage and then some not, that's not really fair to the other teams across the league. 
they should have a league-wide rule instead of leaving it up to the organizations. And college football is back as well. This is the second week that they've been playing. My Liberty Flames don't play until next Saturday, though, which is their opening game on the road against Western Kentucky. One funny thing that I saw out of the MLB this week was the Miami Marlins Twitter feed. I know that football is back and everything like that, but there were two games this past week that looked like football scores. The first one, the Atlanta Braves beat up on the Miami Marlins 29-9 to on Wednesday night. And obviously when your team is getting beaten that bad, nobody wants to do anything or have any fun. They just want to like get the game over with and move on to the next one because that's kind of what you got to do in sports. But the Miami Marlins social team just took the situation that they were given and had the best with it. There were definitely some funny memes that came out on their Twitter feed that night and probably across some of their other social platforms as well. But but yeah, the Miami Marlins social team did a great job of just rolling with the punches and just doing the best with what they had. So if you want to see some funny content, definitely go check out the Marlins Twitter feed from Wednesday night. And also on that same night, the Brew Crew up in Milwaukee ended up beating on the Detroit Tigers 19 to nothing in the the same night like I honestly don't know what was going on around the MLB that night but the Braves and the Brewers just were on fire and could not miss and now for something a little bit closer to home for me not much is looking bright for the Red Sox at the current moment except the light at the end of the tunnel for their chase for a last place to get the one pick in the MLB draft next year because they're clearly in a rebuilding phase. I mean, they shipped a ton of players out of town to get draft picks to help rebuild the farm system. However, there has been one bright spot recently. Infielder Bobby Dahlbeck had a five-game home run streak within his first 10 major league games. He is the fifth player to ever accomplish that feat, and he is the first player in the modern era, which is since 1900, to do so. That's a pretty incredible accomplishment, especially for somebody who's 25 years old and is playing in his first 10 major league games this year that's a look around the sports world from this past week with that being said let's get into the interview with ashley shawmedy So today we have a very exciting guest. She is a graduate from the University of Georgia, go dogs, with a degree in broadcast journalism. She is currently the Charlotte Hornets sideline reporter on Fox Sports Southeast and is also a studio host for the Atlanta Braves on Fox Sports South. When she isn't busy covering sports, she's also a correspondent on CMT's Hot 20 Countdown, where she interviews different country artists on a show that airs every weekend. I really appreciate her taking time out of her busy schedule to do this interview. Please welcome to the show, Ashley Shamady. Thank you so much, David. What an intro. That was basically my whole resume. (laughs) Hey, Ashley, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you a little bit? Absolutely. Um, You touched on a lot of the key points there, kind of got me to where I am today, but I went to the University of Georgia, like you mentioned, degree in broadcast journalism. Um, I actually started my career in Mississippi, though, right after I graduated. I started as the weekend sports anchor 
in Meridian, Mississippi. So I got to cover, of course, all the colleges in Mississippi, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern mm-hmm. Miss, the SWAC schools, um, but then also Alabama as well, because we were so close to that border. So that was incredible. I spent two years there. I learned so much. Um, I got to anchor five nights a week right off the bat, which was pretty unheard of. It was oh, wow. a really small market, really small town, but mm-hmm. it was just such a great starting point. And then from there, I went to Jackson and spent two more years in Jackson, Mississippi. Just that bigger market, kind of, um, you know, more to cover, a little bit higher platform. And and then from there, I got the job with Fox Sports South. So I, I've always really wanted to do this. I kind of knew at a pretty young age that I wanted to um, hopefully, fingers crossed, be a sideline reporter in the NBA. That was kind of my goal. And I didn't think it would happen how it did, but I'm so grateful. Um, I know it's kind of a weird circumstance right now with everything going on. But still, that being said, I'm still wanting to finish one whole Hornet season. I still have yet to do that. So oh, oh, yeah, that's true. hopefully next year. But yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. I know. It's, it's so weird to think about, but hopefully next year will be the ticket. So... What led you to go to the University of Georgia? And then how did your experiences there help prepare you to enter the workforce? Like once you got a full-time job right out of school? Well, living in Georgia, um, you know, in-state tuition, I'm not going to lie, was a huge part of it. But also Georgia was one of my, if not, I mean, the top two schools that I wanted to go to. And that was because of their broadcast journalism program. And of course, Mm -hmm. like living in Georgia, being close to home and stuff like that. But their journalism program is incredible. I mean, if you ever go to the Grady Journalism Building, you'll see Maria Taylor's giant picture, Amy Robach from Good Morning America, her picture on there. So many UGA grads that are in the journalism world from that program. And it's just, it's, it speaks volumes because Mm -hmm. of how hands-on everything is when you're there. I truly felt like what I was doing my senior year at Georgia, which was like a broadcast, basically we we ran our own show. That was our senior year class. And I Mm -hmm. felt like that was pretty similar to my very first job in Meridian. So to say I was prepared is an understatement. I felt super prepared. And I mean, it just really helped me, you know, transition into the working world. So I really can't say enough about the professors and the program there. And it's even better now. They have a sports specific program Mm -hmm. for like high school football in Athens. And that truly, I I was able to go speak to a class and they are literally doing what I did in my first job. So that's kind of why I went there. And like I said, it prepared me because it was it was such an easy transition because they really let you be hands-on, especially your senior year. Oh, that's awesome. Plus, mm-hmm. it's a great school of big-time athletics, too. So you got to be around that. Oh, well. yeah. I haven't even talked about, like, the fun I had and just being in Athens and the football team and um, oh, yeah. football games. And, I mean, that's all self-explanatory. But oh, yeah. <laughs> as far as just, like, yeah, yeah, so... It's a good time. So you previously mentioned that you started your broadcast career in Meridian, Mississippi. What was the first job experience like and how long did it take you to land that job once you got right out of school? So I graduated in May and I started in Meridian, I think August 1st was my start date. So it wasn't, it was basically a summer. And, you know, like I mentioned, it it was the greatest first job I could have ever asked for just because of how hands-on it was. But I had never been to Mississippi, let alone Meridian. It's a tiny town. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have met some of the best people there, but you know, I remember my mom driving with me to Meridian. I had like my car packed and her car packed. We drove there. She basically dropped me off. I had like an apartment and 
no furniture. And I just remember thinking when she left, like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And I've always been kind of one to, you know, I had no problem like going out, doing my thing. But this was obviously the start of my career. And, you know, I made no money. You work all the time. And this Mm -hmm. is stuff that they prepared you for when you were in college, they told us that this was going to be kind of the path, you know, you Mm -hmm. start really small in a small market and you work your way up. And so I knew that was coming, but it really is true. Like I I really, I had so many side jobs. Like I would babysit all the time. I would just do little, like I'd pet sit or whatever I could find just because you really don't make any money, but you work all the time. But you kind of just know that this is the path you have to take. So I would never have traded that job for the world. It was amazing. And like I said, I met some of the greatest people that's like followed me and talked to me to this day and, you know, always check in and just to see how things are going. But it wasn't easy. I'll put it that way. It's not some walk in the park. I think a lot of people think that maybe I graduated and just like started working with Fox Sports and you know, I go back and say like, Hey, I actually worked in Mississippi for four years and it wasn't, it wasn't that easy, but so worth it for sure. Oh, I bet. So you were in Meridian for two years and then you made the jump to the bigger market of Jackson. What was something that you noticed working in the different like market sizes? What was any differences from like Mm -hmm. the smaller market to the bigger market? I think one of the biggest differences was competition. So Meridian didn't really have um, like a competing station. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like we were always told when things were going to happen, when breaking news was going to happen. It was just a little bit more lax in that sense because we really were basically the only news station in that city. But when I went to Jackson, you know, I was the ABC affiliate, but there was an NBC affiliate and then Mm -hmm. there was a Fox affiliate. And so, you know, sports is a little bit different in news in the sense that like we're not all fighting... I mean, yeah, you want to get breaking news, but sports doesn't, it doesn't happen as often as like in a normal news situation, but there was still that competitive aspect of, I want to get this story out first. I want to talk about this coach first. I want to get this person on my show before they do like, Mm -hmm. you know, you still have that in the back of your mind and you're it's still a business and a news station. And as much as like sports kind of was its own entity sometimes, that was definitely, I think the biggest difference. And, you know, my best, one of my best friends in the world worked at a competitor station. She was my roommate. Like it wasn't in an ugly way or anything, but it was just kind of, you realized that that was there and you, you kind of had to be more on your game because you wanted to get this stuff out before anyone else. And it was different with, you know, football games or basketball games, like everyone was going to be there at the same time, but getting that little extra piece or like talking to that other person and making your show a little bit different than theirs was always kind of a goal you wanted to have. So I think that was the biggest difference in making that like 100 market jump, which is what Meridian was to Jackson. Oh, wow. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty big jump. So you were in Jackson for two more years before you ended up at Fox. Like, how did you end up getting the job at Fox? And how much different was it going from like covering high school and some college sports to all professional sports? So I remember, you know, my contract was coming up in Jackson and I was, you know, I was ready for the next step. I was like, there's nowhere higher I can go in Mississippi. I either was, you know, looking to make a bigger jump in a new station or my ultimate goal was to make it into a network, a regional network. And so when this opportunity with Fox Sports South came, it was back in Atlanta, my hometown, and it was a digital position. It was just, you know, such a great way to get my foot in the door. It was Mm -hmm. the original job was basically like I was the face of their social media. I was kind of their host. And so I was like, you know, I'll get camera experience. I'll get to talk about so many. I mean, Fox Sports South has three NBA teams, two hockey teams, the Braves, like I was going to be able to kind of be on different platforms and and see different audiences and fans Mm -hmm. and and talk to different teams. So it was just so 
I just was like, oh my gosh, this would be so perfect. And so um, the timing kind of worked out and I, you know, went and interviewed and it went really well and I ended up getting the job. So I made that move back and, you know, like I said, I, I didn't start as the sideline reporter when I started. I was more mm-hmm. of the digital host. And I remember one of like two of my first big gigs when I first got the job with Fox Sports was covering the MLB All-Star Game oh, wow. and following Chipper Jones in Cooperstown when he was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was like, I remember telling my mom, I was like, okay, this is incredible. I've never traveled, you know, this far. I mean, anytime we would travel Mississippi, it was just driving to Ole Miss or Mississippi State or something like that. But, you know, it was so incredible right off the bat. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in heaven. Like, I love this job. And it was a lot of hard work. You know, I... I think a big reason that I got that job at Fox Sports was because they saw I was able to edit my own stuff, film my own stuff. Like that's all we did. You're a one-man band in Mississippi. You do everything Mm -hmm. on your own. And I think at Fox, they really admired that because they were, I mean, they kind of saw it as a plus for them because they were like, well, she can do both. She can shoot her own stuff and then edit it as well. And I think that was a big reason that I got that job. So I I always try and tell, you know, aspiring journalists that starting Mm -hmm. small like that and learning all those skills really helped me break into the regional sports network. So I just truly feel like it's important um, to start small like that. But yeah, it was, it was incredible when I first started and then a couple months in, the Charlotte Hornets thing happened because they needed a host for their home games. So I would just go up to Charlotte during the home games and I would host with Stephanie Reddy. And then when they would go on the road, I would just go back to Atlanta and keep doing my like digital job. And so that was for a couple months. And then Stephanie, the former silent reporter, announced that she was leaving. And so I remember my general manager calling me into his office back in Atlanta. And I honestly thought he was going to like tell me I was doing a, an okay job or something. Then just something or maybe like have a happy holiday. I was not expecting what he was telling about telling me at all. And so <laughs> he dropped this news and he was like, yeah, you know, the silent position's opening up and uh, you're up basically is what he was saying. And, you know, he kind of knew that that was where I wanted to go eventually. So I think it was a combination of kind of being at the right place at the right time, but also being ready. And they knew that I was ready for that. And so that's how that kind of happened. And then I started, I, my main question to him was, okay, how, like, how am I going to pack all my stuff? Because for a guy, you just throw a couple ties in the bag yeah. and you can look like you just change up your whole outfit. But I was like, you know, what am I really going to do? Like, how am I going to pack all this stuff? But we made it work and figured it out. But um, it was just the most, I mean, I'll never forget that moment, like leaving his office. Just, I was just stunned. I was like yeah. deer in headlights stunned. But yeah, now here we are. That was last season. And then this past season, mm-hmm. of course, COVID happened. So waiting for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next plan. <laughs> So did you get involved with the Hornets before you were a host for the Braves or kind of how did that transition work out? So I I started doing the Hornets and then when that season ended, I started hosting with the Braves and I I was doing stuff with the Braves already just like digitally and I was interviewing them. So I was familiar with the team and the players and, you know, the personnel there. But as far as like actually hosting the show on Fox Sports South, that didn't happen until after that first season with the Hornets. I think, you know, they were like, well, she's kind of a familiar face, like at least, you know, people see who she is because she does Hornets broadcasts. And so it was a, I guess, easier transition for them. But I have to say, like, I can talk basketball until I'm blue in the face, but baseball is not my like main, main priority. As Mm -hmm. far as knowledge goes, I love the game. And 
I've learned so much already, but I'm just yeah. not as comfortable with, you know, the lingo as I am with basketball. So hosting those are, they're so much fun because I love working with guys like Nick Green and Brian Jordan and Jerome. I love working with Paul mm-hmm. Bird. I love working with those guys, but it's definitely a challenge just because like I said, I'm not as comfortable as I am with basketball. So it's still a work in progress, still learning. Of course, this year is different because there's only 60 games. So I kind of come in and host when it's like game 110 and the hosts are tired and there's just so many games left that they call me in. So I'm like the backup to the backup, which I'm totally cool with. I love it. I love being able to do some of the games. But um, yeah, this year's a little bit different. But it kind of happened after I did the Hornets thing. That's funny. That's cool, though. <laughs> and going back to your first job, that kind of where you were covering the NBA teams, the hockey teams, and then the, the Braves as well, that kind of, if you're not as familiar with the sport, that kind of mm-hmm. taught you some of the lingo that you might need down the road for another sport or something like that. So Oh, for sure. Especially with hockey I mean because baseball football basketball like Mm -hmm. I obviously grown up watching and know but yeah that definitely helped with hockey because I'm not even gonna lie to you I do not know much about hockey but I am learning a lot just because of the canes and and like you said my first job with Fox Sports what does a typical game day look like for you and how would it vary when the Hornets are on the road versus like when they're at the Spectrum Center so I love home games because the fans are incredible and just being in your home arena is there's nothing like it. Oh, yeah. um, but home games are, they're just so busy for me, which in a great way, but basically for home games, I'll go to shoot around in the morning, which is at like 10, 10 30. I'll talk to some players. We'll interview them. I try and get like as many sideline stories as I can. Um, and then mind you, the night before I was like prepping for the pregame show. So I spent a couple hours researching the team we're playing and just kind of prepping for the show. And then the day of the game, the shoot around at 1030. And then I come back, finish the prep work, get ready. And then we have to be at the arena by four o'clock for our production meeting. And that's where we go over the show, answer any questions, just make sure we're all on the same page. And then I usually interview one of the players and then I'll interview, go listen in on the coach's interview. And then I mean, by that time it's, it's almost six, which we have to be on set at six o'clock. And I just go over a couple more things. Show starts at 6.30 with Gerald Henderson. Then we get, you know, do that 30-minute show. And then Mm -hmm. I literally fly down the steps. If anyone's ever been there, I'm like running down the steps usually. And I get ready for my first hit, which is right before tip-off. And then then the game is playing. I'll do like my, you know, halftime interviews and like hits throughout the game and just kind of running around, honestly. And then right after the game wraps up, if we win, I usually do a walk-off interview and Mm -hmm. then talk about really running that is when I'm actually running. If we win and I do a walk-off interview, I have one commercial break, David. Like that's 30 seconds to get from the court. And if anyone's seen the Spectrum Center, all the way up the stairs to that set. And it's fine when there's no one, but everybody is like cows herding out at the same time. Mm -hmm. So luckily the security guards are always so great to me. And they like basically say like, move a path, move a path. Like I just, I have to get up there in 30 seconds. So then I'll do that, do the post game show. And we usually wrap up by like 10 I guess 10 30 just mm-hmm. depends I guess how long the game went so home games are definitely pretty busy and long and then we have to right after the show wraps up we have to do like a web hit and all this stuff so that's kind of home games and then away games there I, I love away games just because I love being in different cities and it's you know Dell and I do the pregame show and it's just right on the court and it's not as much like it's not as much movement but still the same material we're all doing mm-hmm. the same thing but I feel like when I'm on the road I'm I'm able to focus more on the sideline stories just because I have more time, which is always so great. So love them both. 
but definitely mm-hmm. different, different days in the life when you go from being home and away. So out of all the different events you've been able to cover, which one has been your favorite? Um, As far as basketball or any sport? Or any sport, I guess. Well, I have to mention too, because for the Braves, following Chipper Jones around in Cooperstown was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. It was just, I felt like it was like such a part of history that that was happening. And I literally was following him and his kids and his wife Mm -hmm. around and getting interviews and just like being in such like a historic baseball town and just Mm -hmm. it was just incredible it was a moment that I really I can't believe I was there to experience it and then the NBA all-star game in Charlotte last year was also incredible I just felt like they did such a great job and of course like Kemba being there um Mm -hmm. it, it just made the event I mean even that much better made the whole weekend that much better and so I think those two events so far are like some of my favorites that I've covered so when the pandemic started back in March, like how much did it change like your normal workday routine? And then how much did it change out your guys' ability to like put out new content for Fox? So once I realized that this was kind of for the long haul and we weren't, because at first I feel like people were kind of optimistic and they're like, oh, okay, like eight weeks, like, you know, then we'll start everything back up again. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. But you know, once it kind of set in that, okay, this is not going to be eight weeks, it's going to be longer. It was definitely a adjustment because I had never even taken a vacation longer than five days. And I was sitting here like, I mean, I'm just such a workaholic that that was really an adjustment to, to slow down and like realize that I had this time here. And as far as content goes, you know, everybody's just been trying to find different ways to produce content and keep things interesting. And at first it was talking with the players and coaches and like, you know, asking them what they're doing in quarantine and what's, you know, how are they keeping in shape and stuff. But then you can only hash that so much. You kind of have to figure out other ways. But obviously, Zoom has been incredible. That's how I'm doing all these interviews with anyone. And, you know, you're just trying to find, like I said, like little niches and little ways that your audience can still connect with the teams and the players. And um, of course, with the draft and stuff, that was a lot of good content that we were able to push out. And that's kind of helped us get to the next step and you know when the draft is here then we'll have more stuff to talk about and so I think every like everybody we're just rolling with the punches <laughs> just kind of yeah. kind of seeing what what's happening next you know I mean this the bubble was being talked about for so long and of course like the yeah. Hornets didn't make it but yeah. that was something that we really talked about for a long time and then you know once that happened now we kind of move on to the next thing so yeah it's just rolling with the punches mostly On another topic, were there any hobbies you picked up during quarantine or what did you do to stay busy when you weren't working? Yes, I have a hobby that I picked up and it is golf and I am so excited. I, I mean... I never really picked up a club, let alone went to a driving range, let alone played nine holes or 18 holes. And I have a friend here who's really good at golf. And, you know, at first I would just like, I don't know, I would just mess around and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I would hit the ground. It was whatever. And then he helped adjust my grip and Mm -hmm. like my backswing and just, I mean, now I feel like I, I'm not good. Don't get me wrong at all. But I actually like, can hit the ball and play nine to 18 holes and it's not terrible. And I'm so excited because I really, you know, I just thought, okay, this would be fun. But then once I kind of adjusted, made those adjustments and could actually hit the ball and and do okay, I think I got bit by the golfing bug because now I like really want to go and play, be good and, you know, 
Dell Curry, he goes on the road all the time and he'll go to these courses and who knows where, wherever we are at. And he plays um, a lot of the time when we're out on the road. And so my goal is to be able to go out and play, not keep up with him because he's incredibly good, but just to be able to play the game with him would be incredible. So that is a quarantine hobby that I picked up that I'm really excited about. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's awesome. So switching gears again a little bit, how did you end up getting involved with CMTV? And then who's been your favorite person you've been able to interview through them so far? So they're still relatively kind of new. I think it's been, actually, it's been a year now that I even started with them. And to be honest, this is like such a cliche answer. And I I hate when people answer this, but their producer was huge, is a huge Braves fan. And mm-hmm. I think he saw me on some of the Braves broadcasts and reached out. And I honestly thought it was a joke because it was via DM. And I was like, like on Instagram. And I was like, okay, this isn't real. But then when we like talked actually on the phone and booked the flight to Nashville to do the interview, I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty real. But um, I've loved country music for a really long time. And, you know, they were looking for a host for their Hot 20 show on the weekends. And so they have been so great because they know that I have this obligation with the Hornets. And so a lot of the time in the season, if we had like a home game on a Monday and a home game on a Wednesday, I would fly to Nashville for 12 hours on Tuesday and then do a shoot or do whatever they needed and fly back like at 5am the next morning for the game. And yeah, that wasn't always ideal because I was always so sleepy, but I was just, I couldn't say no. Like these opportunities are so great. And I just, I can't ever say no. And so we had so much planned for the summer, so many shoots and festivals and everything. And unfortunately a lot of that got pushed back or canceled. And so, um, I've been able to do stuff at home. Mm -hmm. I have a camera here that they sent down and some lighting equipment and I'm able to shoot my own standups and then I send them back and they put together the show and it has been so great. I am so, so grateful for them because it kind of makes me feel like I like still have a job and I do this, you mm-hmm. know, every week, every other week. And it's just helped with a schedule because I, if anyone else feels this way, like the days just sort of run together sometimes during yeah. this time. And this has really helped me be able to like, at least kind of have a schedule. So really grateful for that. And I'm excited for the future with them. Um, I love, it's like, they're, they're the same because it's, you know, I'm interviewing, I'm still doing mm-hmm. on camera work, but it's just so different. Yeah. They're just, and they're both entertainment, but they're just so different. And so, um, I love them both in different ways, but it's been fun. And as far as my favorite interview, I got to play basketball. This was before coronavirus and COVID, but I got mm-hmm. to play basketball with Matt Stell at a YMCA. He's like, um, he's got a couple hits out and Mm-hmm. he was an up and comer at the time, but now he's pretty, he's pretty out there, but that was so much fun. Cause he was a basketball player in college. And then he picked up the guitar and started playing country music. And I got to play basketball with him for the shoot at a YMCA, which was, it was just in Nashville. So that was so much fun to kind of combine my two oh, I loves. Bet. Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah. both worlds colliding for one interview. That's awesome. What is one piece of advice that you would give somebody that wants to go into sports journalism? I would say, you know, be willing to to kind of do what it takes, but also know mm-hmm. what you want. And what I mean by that is, you know, I thought for the longest time that I needed to get like a news reporter job and then maybe eventually I could go into sports from that and I would at Mm -hmm. least be around that atmosphere. Um, But after interning one summer at a news station as a news reporter, I really realized like I just want to do sports. So, you know, knowing what I wanted, but also being open and willing 
you know, a lot of people probably their first option isn't Meridian, Mississippi or a small town like that. But I knew that's what I had to do to get my start. And I was 100% just focused and willing and um, ready for it. And so I think when I tell a lot of people that's how I started, you know, a lot of people are like, eh, well, I don't really want to take that route, which is totally fine. Everyone has their different routes and Mm -hmm. ways that they go get to where they want to be. But I just feel like in this business, opportunities are few and far between, especially in sports. So you have to be willing to say yes to not your dream job, but a job that will get you there. I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Not for sure. Definitely agree. I mean, I would say the same like has kind of gone for me too, because I took, I'm originally from Massachusetts and I went to school in Virginia and I ended up taking the internship with the Hornets. I mean, it was an unpaid internship, but it's kind of like the same deal, like going to a city that I'd never been to before. Yeah. You knew that it would help. I mean, that internship, I saw you every day. You got to do a lot oh, yeah. of cool things and like so, so many fun. hands-on things. Yeah. yeah. So that's such a great way to, I mean, get into this business. Let's get into, it's a little rapid fire getting to know you segment real quick with some fun questions. Okay. So what's your favorite sports movie? Can I say the Michael Jordan documentary? I know it's not a movie, but. Yeah, definitely. That was like one of the highlights of this whole entire Corona Oh yeah, was watching that. It was the yeah. most unreal thing. So for sure, it was weird seeing people that like we had interacted with in Charlotte just on the big screen. I was like, wait, I've seen this guy before. I know, and like Michael Jordan is the reason I played basketball growing up, and you know to know him, and he's like part of our organization. It's just it's astounding sometimes. And yeah. after seeing that documentary, I'm like even more just yeah fascinated by his whole life. <laughs> oh, I feel that. Have you ever? Like, have you had any interactions with MJ? Um, I have um, a couple times. I mean, he doesn't really come out too often. He usually Mm -hmm. is watching, like, at home or in his box or something. But a couple times I have. And, you know, I remember the very first time. This was my first season. And I was at a practice, like, glasses on, no makeup, just looking like a mess. But I was, like, writing notes and just, like, just really focused. Mm -hmm. And I heard someone say, hey. And I look up, and it's Michael Jordan. And I never really try and get starstruck in this job because I'm like, you know, yeah. act like you've been there before. Yeah. But I was so starstruck. I was like, hi, like I'm Ashley Shambi. My hand was just shaking. And he goes, oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, Michael Jordan knows who I am. Like my life is completely made. He knows who I am. And now, you know, sometimes I'll see him. And he'll be like, what up, Ash? And I'm like, Michael Jordan is calling me Ash. Like it's still just, it still has not hit me. I don't know if it's because I haven't seen him enough. Like I don't see him every single day. Yeah. But it is still something that I, it is a pinch me moment for me without a doubt. <laughs> oh, that's whole. So what are you watching on Netflix or like, what do you kind of watch when you're not watching sports? Um, I've recently gotten into Homeland and actually that's not on Netflix. That's on Hulu. Whatever. So, um, but same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's been around for a long time, but never watched it. And it is such a good show. If anyone needs a good show about the CIA, about, uh, I don't even want to give anything away, but it is kept me on my toes. Like, and we've already, I've gone through one season already. So, um, that's what I'm currently watching. So oh, that's awesome. I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll, I haven't seen it, but I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. You should check it out. It's really good. Um, what's your favorite food? Um, oh man, I can't really pick one because, uh, can I just say breakfast food? Yeah. I love breakfast, breakfast food in general. I would eat breakfast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like just yeah. anything, eggs, bacon, pancakes. For, I mean, all of it. I love breakfast. Food, me too. So, yeah. That's my favorite. It's so good. Um, 
favorite NBA arena that you've been to besides the Spectrum Center? That's hard because I feel like there are historic ones like Madison Square Garden, which when you go in, you're just kind of like, wow, this is Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are some of these new arenas like or the Warriors. I mean, it's just incredible because it's brand new. They've just thought of everything. It's it's amazing. Same with the Bucks. They have their bench is like heated seats for the players and like revolving seat. Like they go up and down. I mean, it's like, oh, I know. They've thought of everything. And so those arenas that are just so like crisp and new and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said, the garden, I love when we go to Boston. Their arena is really cool. I think those are some of my, yeah, I would say those those are my favorites. Definitely. Yeah. You got- and of course, the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, I feel right. like that. Oh, yeah. Their whole setup of all the, I mean, they have the Lakers, the Clippers, and their hockey team the in Kings. that arena. Yeah. Yeah, and they are flipping and rotating the colors and everything out nightly. I just think it's the most incredible thing. Yeah. I kudos to those workers. They they really yeah. are awesome. One thing that's always amazed me is if teams are in the same city and they're both in the playoffs because hockey mm-hmm. and NBA, they both have, share the playoffs. So they have to yep. switch out constantly if they have games back-to-back. Like that, something you don't really think about. No. Favorite sports moment you've witnessed in person? First year, Toronto, Jeremy Lamb hits that shot oh, yeah. behind half court. Oh, yeah. That was the most, that was just like, I can't even, I mean, the Hornets have hit some game winners in their time, but to silence an entire arena like Jeremy Lamb did by hitting that shot, yeah, I will never forget that moment. I, I just, it's like hard to even put into words what that felt like. Yeah. seeing that all happen, but right. um, if you haven't seen it, people go watch that, then they'll oh, realize. Oh, definitely. Who's your favorite person you've interviewed with both the Hornets and the Braves? Um. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite. I can tell you, I'll tell you some good interviews that I always know are going to be a good interview. For the Hornets, I love talking with PJ Washington because he literally acts like he's been a coach for 20 years in the NBA when I talk to him. His answers are so intricate, and it's like he broke down the entire play and you're like <laughs> okay yeah. well thank you for that um I just I love what he what he has to say it's always I I just enjoy it and then you know I feel like guys like Bismack Biombo and Billy Hinton Gomez yeah, you know, yeah a little bit older guys they they bring such a great spirit to mm-hmm. the interviews and to the game and I just feel like they love what they do so it's always so oh, much yeah. fun and then like a sleeper like don't sleep on him is Cody Zeller oh yeah He's I awesome. know people probably yeah, people probably don't know this, but he's low-key hilarious. Oh, he's and, great. Yeah, he's so great. And people probably don't really realize it because, you know, it's just kind of quiet and, you know, but no, he's hilarious. So yeah, if you need, follow him on Instagram for people who don't because I feel like he posts some cool stuff there too. But those are some guys that I really always enjoy talking with. And then um, with the Braves, it's always fun talking with Freddie. He's mm-hmm. really cool. And then, you know, even though we need a translator – when we do it, Ronald Acuna. Acuna. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you know, they can speak English, but it's just they're not completely comfortable with it yet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we always talk with their translator, but I always enjoy doing those interviews too. So, uh, favorite fast food place? Chick fil A. Chick fil A. I worked there all in high school and college. So, oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. I still love it. Yeah. What's a fun fact that most people may not know about you? Um, I played piano for 10 years growing up. I feel like people oh, wow. might not know that about me. Sometimes I get the question, like, are you musically talented? So when I say that, it's like, oh, for 10 years, like, you must be okay. Like, I can read music and all that stuff. And I did that since I was, like, six all through high school. So that's a skill that I really um, – I still love doing, like, whenever I can. Yeah, it's for just sure. Playing, you know? That's awesome. 
Favorite country music artist? Um, I'm a huge Casey Musgraves fan and Maren Morris. And then I also really love, you know, some of the classics like Travis Tritt, George Strait. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I like a little bit of everything. Lately, I've been really into some of that, like Lauren Elena has been really good. And I don't know. I like some of the new guys too, like Kane Brown. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of diversity right now in country music, which I've really, really enjoyed. And last one, favorite place you've been able to travel to because of work? Toronto has been awesome. Going to Canada and like saying you've been to Canada and being in Toronto, I think is just so much fun. Um, I love so many cities that we get to go to, but I don't know. And San Francisco is really cool too, but just, you know, I don't know. Canada is just different and Toronto is just really cool. So I think that's probably one of my favorites. Oh, that's really cool. Hey, Ashley, it's been really awesome to be able to talk to you today and learn about your experiences about getting into the sports world and working all the way up to where you are today. Do you want to give the listeners a way to connect with you if they have any questions about being a journalist in the sports world? Absolutely. You know, you can reach out to me on Instagram, um, Ashley and Shamity there or on Twitter at a Shamity. I also have a website with an email and everything. If you, you know, need a longer platform, you can go ahead and email me, but um, I'm usually pretty responsive. So any of those should work. If I don't get back to you, just message me again. But <laughs> I'm, I'm here in, in quarantine and coronavirus, all this thing, pandemic. So I should be able to respond. <laughs> but yeah, reach out there. Awesome. Well, Ashley, it was great having you on the show today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this interview. Hopefully I could have you on the show again at some point down the road. This is a lot of fun to do this. Thank you so much, David. Love what you're doing. Thank um, you. Awesome podcast. And hopefully I'll see you at the Spectrum Center in the future. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great one. Thanks again. Yay. You too. Thank you. All righty. Bye. guys i hope you enjoyed that interview thank you again ashley for coming on the show and sharing about your experiences in sports journalism and how you've worked up your way to being where you are as the sideline reporter for the charlotte hornets on fox sports you had a lot of great advice and i'm sure the listeners really enjoyed listening to it thank you guys again for tuning into the podcast i really do appreciate it be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on it really helps with the ratings and i really do appreciate it every rating helps helps a ton. Follow the podcast on all of its social media channels for the most up-to-date information and content regarding the podcast. Be sure to tune into next week's episode. I've got some exciting stuff planned and I can't wait for you guys to learn more about it. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you next Monday with another exciting episode. <laughs>